0: Hey founders and thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Austin McCord, CEO of Kasana, an in-home health monitoring platform that's raised over 46 million in funding. Austin, thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, happy to chat. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Not a problem at all. I'd love to begin with just a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background.
1: Sure, I am the CEO of Kasana and my background actually is originally in cybersecurity. I started a company called Datto that I took from my folks' basement all the way to a publicly traded business. And now I am in an entirely different space in the med tech space, delivering a really cool vision around home health monitoring in a super quirky, but interesting way.
0: Talk to us about making that jump from cybersecurity into healthcare.
1: Yeah, so um, it's definitely non-linear. So after doing Datto, I left and went to General Catalyst, which is a venture capital firm, and they were early backers of Datto and was looking at companies there and realized that while looking at companies is super fun, what I wanted to do was get my hands dirty again and get back to operating. And so was looking at what could I run and got connected with the CEO of Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Jeff Lydon. And he really wanted to get involved in something in the senior care space. And I actually knew of Nick's project, which was a toilet seat that could get your blood pressure. He presented the idea to Jeff and Jeff loved it and explained it like there's huge opportunity there. And then after spending some time talking with Nick, realized that I could actually be super helpful in building out the team and going through the process of helping get this product to market. And so I raised my hand and said, I wanna go do it. And so that's kind of like the rough story of how it happened, but I think the real magic is that this and Datto actually share something in common and that's that these products work best when forgotten about. And so Datto's offering, you would set it up, deploy it, and then it just runs in the background and the same is true with the seat in the, obviously you install it on a toilet and then you can just forget that it's there and it will do its job. It will track your vitals. Uh, and when things go south, it will notify your doctor that you need to make a change. He talked to us a little bit about the
0: IPO. I was going to skip this part, but I feel like all the founders would probably hate me who are listening in if I don't ask about that. What was it like to IPO a company?
1: Super, super cool, but also was like really bummed that it happened during COVID. So I did go ring the bell, but I did not get to have the big party.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. That's like what founders dream of.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really the journey more than it is the party. But uh, the way I think about it is it's motivation to do it again. And I hope that it won't be the last business that I ever take public.
0: I love that. When it comes to motivation and just inspiration in general, who are some founders who really inspire you?
1: So I really think that those that are low drama inspire me. And so while he's not a founder, like I think about Satya Nadella at Microsoft is like a great example of just a leader who is kicking butt and is the antithesis of like the Elon Musk, I'm going to tweet my every opinion all the time. And instead is low key gone from taking a company that people just thought of as like, yeah, they make Microsoft word into, you know, something that's incredibly hot and topical and I've built out a massive cloud business. It's just amazing how he's transformed what was a very boring company.
0: Low drama CEOs. I feel like that's a relevant thing today, given all the noise that's out there certain CEOs are making today.
1: Yeah, no one wants to be a low drama CEO, but I'm telling you, that's where it's at. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. And yeah, watching
0: what Microsoft's been doing the last year, it's been pretty insane. Yeah. What about books. So when it comes to books that have really had a major impact on you and really defined you as a person, we like to steal this from Ryan Holiday, who's an author. He calls them quake books. So quake book is a book that like rocks you to your core, really influences how you think about the world and how you approach life. Do any quake
1: books like that come to mind? I think the book Predictably Irrational is probably the one that comes to mind most. And it does a good job quantifying things you already know but really Helps cover kind of this concept that like humans don't make rational choices. They don't decide things the same way that machines do. And when you understand kind of how people make their decisions and how they value different things, you can use that to your advantage in business and just in life and all of your interactions. And predictably irrational does like a good first high level pass of starting to think about that and just the way that like biology decides stuff versus machines decide stuff and knowing that difference is. Really cool. I just finally read that book about six months ago and it's such a great read. Yeah. I think it's just amazing. Like how, again, like on its surface, it's something like, oh, well, you would help your friend move for like a great bottle of wine, but like, if you know, you're like, oh yeah, will you come help me move today for 80 or hundred bucks? Like, you'd be like, no, that's stupid. But like, technically a like, good bottle of wine has way less utility than 80 or a hundred dollars, but it's like the process of like making a selection and down selecting into something like gives it actually more value than just like the cash as is. And there's just so many examples of stuff like that. Totally. Makes so much sense.
0: One final thing to ask about your background before we dive a bit deeper into the company, Havoc Robotics. Talk to me about this, a new category of competitive sports. Tell me more about what you're doing there.
1: Yeah. So this is a a bit of a passion project and was kind of a case of like, if you build it they will come and i had always seen like the battle tv show and i got to know some people who were competing in the tv show and they're like hey there's there's actually these smaller robot competitions with like robots that you could build like in your garage that are like three pound or 12 pound or 30 pound robots and so i went to one or two of those competitions and was basically like these are not very well run and i don't have time to like sit around and wait and deal with this and so then it was like actually i I bet I could run my own competition and I bet I could run it better and I bet I could produce content that's just as good as the TV show off of this because the fights are just as interesting. And so that became Havoc Robotics, which is now probably the world's largest like regularly held robot competition. And it's nuts they I've got this huge facility in Connecticut where this happens and uh, people travel from all over the world to come fight robots there. And it's just a really, really cool thing and just wild, like the community and world that has come up around it. And for me, it's such a cool opportunity to bring all these people together. And like these are the engineers that are going to be designing the next, you know, autonomous vehicles and making all the things in the future possible. And like this is the chance for them to like get their feet wet with the actual technologies that they're going to be using. I'll
0: make sure to link to the uh, the website in the show notes because it's awesome. I have the the video playing in the background right now as we speak, there's one with like a sparkler spring out. This is cool, I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. That's awesome. All right, well, let's switch gears here and let's dive a bit deeper into the company. So I know you touched on the problem quite a bit there and what you're solving, but let's talk about the business model here. How do you actually make money?
1: Yeah, so the scenario is that we are building a medical device And this med device will go out there and basically serve the same standards as the gold standards that your doctor would use. And our goal, we've got clearance for heart rate and blood oxygenation. And we're working with the FDA to get a 510K through that would allow us to do blood pressure as well. And we can track these vitals over time and Medicare will pay to have a lot of those vitals tracked for the right patients because it can matter so much and so There's an ability to get reimbursed both by the government and by private insurance for being able to track these core important vitals in at-risk populations. And that's really what we're looking to do is to run this more efficiently and capture those dollars that are set aside to track these vitals. And the reason why those dollars are set aside is because people don't do this. And then when they don't do it, they get much, much sicker and it costs the system a whole lot more.
0: Can you talk to us about the FDA clearance process and what that looks like, maybe just like a behind the scenes look for those who aren't in the space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a level of regulation that it was certainly not used to. And I had experience dealing with the FCC and other regulation associated with cybersecurity, but med device is a whole different thing. And there's there's so much emphasis and focus on safety. And the, the challenge is that The FDA is put in this really hard spot where if anything goes wrong in any approved appliance or device and somebody gets sick or somebody dies, like that could come back on the FDA. And so by their nature, they're very conservative. And it means that everything that you say that you're going to do, everything that you say that you do do, and every caveat associated with what you do, like you have to test and prove. So it means you've got to run lots and lots of studies. And so you can't do something like, say, our toilet seat is made out of the same stuff as other toilet seats, so it's safe. And so instead, we had to do biocompatibility testing, where they literally have to tape parts of the toilet seat to the side of a living animal for a period of time and determine that, yes, it does not get a rash from this. And so it's like every little detail has to be tested, which is just an enormous amount of work. How long did that process
0: take you from start to finish?
1: Well, we, we haven't finished yet. So uh, no. <laughs> I've been at it for three and a half years since I joined the company. And like the the actual time cycle of a 510k clearance is relatively short, but performing all the validation trials necessary to get there takes a long time.
0: What was the FDA clearance i read about on your website? Was that for a, a specific use case or what was that?
1: Uh, yeah, so we are currently cleared for a version of our product which supports heart rate and blood oxygenation. What we are seeking clearance for is blood pressure. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And is it harder to get blood pressure? Yes. Blood pressure is a more difficult measurement to capture and is one that's more clinically valuable. And typically the way that a blood pressure cup works is it, it squeezes your arm and look, can feel and sense blood pressure. But in our case, we have to get blood pressure in a different way because we're not going to squeeze you while you're sitting on a toilet. And instead, we're looking at blood flow through your arteries and we're measuring the electrical signals from your heart, as well as actually feeling your heart pump with very, very sensitive weight sensors in the seat.
0: As you've moved into this space, what's been the most surprising thing that you learned or something that you didn't expect that would happen that you know, maybe wasn't happening in cybersecurity, but it, it happens in this space?
1: I mean, I think actually the onerousness of the regulatory environment and what's involved in meeting like the quality systems that medical devices must do. And like, it's it's just a level of regulation that I am deeply unfamiliar with and is, is surreal coming from software and cybersecurity. And just that everything must be documented, every change and the reasons for the change and how you test to make sure that the change doesn't affect things you want the change to not affect, like the amount of work that's involved in that is massive. And it's given me a whole other level of understanding on why, you know, you encounter so many med device products and it's like, man, these things feel like they're from the past. And it's like, yeah, because it probably took them years and years and years to get it through because of the level of regulation that exists there.
0: Do you ever feel like you lack control of the company's destiny because of the heavy regulatory environment? Yeah, absolutely. It's super frustrating. What do you do to get through that? <laughs> how do you like navigate that when you're just like thinking about the business? Because it sounds like you could do everything right. You don't get this clearance. And then all of that stuff that you've done right doesn't matter. Like, so how do you think
1: about that in your head? and And how do you just proceed forward knowing that's the case? I mean, it's existential risk, right? And then it would be the same as like if, all of a sudden you're running an AI company and you couldn't get GPUs no matter how much you wanted the GPUs. So it's it's just out there. I mean, this one is is a little closer and it's making sure that you work with and understand the requirements that you need with the FDA and you just take that stepwise process. But it's been a learning for me and it, it has been frustrating, but you, know, you learn new stuff and you gotta keep moving forward. What's a typical day look like for you? Oh man, my days are crazy and no two days are the same. So I do a bunch of stuff and that's kind of what happened is I I joined Kasana during COVID and I'd left General Catalyst during COVID and there was this window where I was doing nothing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I will like do all the things. And so I, I started the Robot League, I got involved and became CEO of Kasana. I started a venture capital fund And so now I have like all of these bets going in all of these directions all at once. And so my day is like death by contact switching. And I'm constantly switching to do different things in different places all the time. But it's really interesting. And for me, what keeps me excited and engaged is just all of these processes, I'm learning something new all the time. And Kasana has taught me so much. And I've learned so much about the process and so much around delivering med device and so much around physiology and like how to do statistics to the level that I just never would have imagined in the past. And it's fascinating. Uh, and so like, it's that learning that keeps me motivated every day. I love that. How do you describe, or how would you define the marketing philosophy at Kasana? So one of the things that the FDA cares a lot about is what you say about your product. And so we walk this really interesting line where we have this quirky product that every time you hear about it, you're going to laugh because it's a toilet seat. So like we've heard every bathroom joke you can imagine. And it's fun because we get a ton of earned media because everyone wants to make a bathroom joke, but at the same time, we are a serious medical device and so we cannot say that we do anything we do not do. We cannot you know claim anything that we do not have approved by the FDA. And so you have to be very careful in what you say. And that's, that's an interesting sort of mix of these two pieces. But our, our strategy is really to like to catch you with the humor, but then win you over with the science. Uh, and it's really important that we're able to show the amount of rigor that we put into this. And that while it sounds funny, like the science is super serious and the ability to change lives is huge. And that's, that's what's the most motivating in all of this is that this product, unlike almost anything else you could work on, like will directly save people's lives when it's in the market. And so that's such a cool opportunity. And that's what motivates you through all of the regulatory challenges that you're going to face to get it there.
0: When I was spending some time yesterday on your website, I I did notice that on the About Us page, when you go over the team members' faces, that it shows the toilet seats or switches over to the toilet seats. And I thought that was a lot of fun. So it's serious at first, and then it gets fun when you uh, you go over it. So that was very well done. Thank you. When we talk about market category, how do you think about the category? Is it in-home health monitoring or is it something else?
1: No, it's in-home health monitoring. I think that's exactly the case. And COVID is really what made a lot of this possible. And then all of a sudden, people became so much more comfortable doing health stuff at home. And doctors became so much more comfortable thinking about readings and data that people generate at home. And that's what's unlocked the possibility for this product. Can you share any numbers, metrics that highlight adoption and growth that you're seeing? So we're not in the market yet because we need clearance. We have run dozens of clinical trials and uh, clinical trials is basically your only path to beta testing a med device kind of product. And uh, clinical trials have been amazing and really awesome to like get it out there and get it, you know, under people uh, or have it on people's toilets. And from that have like learned a lot. And I I think the biggest thing is just how many times people are like, oh man, I want to get one of these for my mom or dad or somebody they know. And it's so cool that there's just so much pull in the market for a product like this.
0: As I mentioned there in the intro, you've raised over 46 million to date. What have you learned about fundraising throughout the journey with Kasana?
1: I think that MedDevice is in a class all its own. If we were a software company, that would be an enormous amount of money and we would have had to demonstrate a ton of traction. In MedDevice, you know, we've raised this money on $0 in revenue and that's not uncommon. And you think about it like the very first product that Moderna ever really shipped or sold was the COVID vaccine. And they were around for over a decade before selling that. Uh, And so it's kind of wild how these journeys play out and the milestones that generate value in that device. And so it's been really different sort of learning about that, getting good at talking about that and explaining progress in terms that aren't CAC and, you know, LTV, et cetera, associated with sort of a more normal business. Based on everything you've learned so far, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give yourself if you
0: were starting over from scratch?
1: Oh man. I mean, I, I think I would write a letter with the amount of different things. I think at its core is probably just like, trust your gut more. And I think that the places that I've stumbled most are the places where I've been talked out of something or like experts have said, don't do it this way. And then like went with the experts when my gut was like, oh, maybe we're different and here's why we might be different. And I think <laughs> that those are sort of the, the cases where I've been like, wow, we, we lost six months because of that. And so it's hard when you have a contrarian opinion and I guess you've always got to be good at justifying it because you can't just tell people to do it because you're the boss. I think that we consumed time following some paths that we potentially didn't need to follow. And I, I should have fought a little bit harder on the contrarian opinions. Final question for you. Let's zoom out three to
0: five years into the future. What's the big picture vision that you're building?
1: I think that there's hundreds of thousands of seats in the world and they're saving lives every month, every week, every day. Amazing,
0: love the vision. All right, Austin, we are up on time, so we're gonna have to wrap. Before we do, if there's any founders or CEOs that are listening in and they feel inspired or just wanna follow along with your journey,
1: where should they go? Well, they can go to kasanacare.com and see everything that's going on in Kasana, or they can obviously check out the Robot League at NHRL.io. Awesome, Austin, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: (laughs)